Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everyone. It's Monday, January 9th, and today is National Balloon Ascension Day, National Clean Off Your Desk Day, International Choreographers Day, National Apricot Day, National Static Electricity Day, put your socks together, and National Law Enforcement Appreciation Day. Yes, we appreciate you, Chris. And thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms, especially right here on YouTube. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us via Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, we're going to pay a quick bill. Flying into LAX and you want to taste some of the best weed in the world? Then stop by LAXCC, the closest dispensary to LAX. Located at 8332 Lincoln Boulevard and open from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. Always make LAXCC your first stop when you touch down in L.A. and score like a winner. And don't forget to tell them I sent you and mention you like to get high at 9 for 10% off your full order. You good, Rico? You with us? Is your internet working? Rico, are you with us? Are you with us, Rico? Yeah. Can oh, yeah. There you go. Now, now I hear you, bro. Now God I hear you. God oh man, so glad to have you back. Coming up first. That's right. It is the man, the myth, the legend. When. He is the dope dad. When he's sitting at home babysitting in the rain, that's right. You can catch him coloring with crayons and maybe even some colored pencils just because he's all inclusionary. That's right. You might find him doing the same thing at grown-up adult TEDx conventions when he actually teaches the grown adults how to actually color and how to paint with numbers. That's right. It is the dope dad himself, Rico Lamit. All right, y'all. So my apologies. Yeah, my apologies in advance right now because I am in South Central Los Angeles and my internet has been whack as fuck. It was, uh, it's, it's, it's pouring. It's another monsoon. So I apologize if, if my internet is choppy today. I'll do the best that I can. But um, my headline today is from Daily Mail by Natasha Anderson. Prince Harry could be barred from the U.S. 
as and has been put uh, and he has put his visa at risk after his admission that he has taken drugs. Um, very, very interesting uh, headline coming from the Daily News over from across the pond. So the quote unquote royal bad boy and self-demoted Duke of Essex, uh, Sussex, Prince Harry's been taking his fair share of shots uh, from the media since he and wife Meghan decided that they'd be leaving the UK, dropping out of the crown succession race, race and taking their talents to Southern California back in 2020. But things have gotten extra spicy over the weekend with the run up to this weekend's release of Harry's ghost written memoir, Spare, chronicling his coming of age adventures as the prince who'd never become head colonizer in charge. Publishers at Penguin Random House promise a raw, unflinching honesty about his life as a royal and exploits as a youth leading up to and beyond his time with now wife and duchess Meghan Markle. In it, the Duke provides plenty of context to a greatest hits list of high-profile tabloid headlines he's been featured in over the years that have officially been brushed off as just rumors by the Crown. But until now, we've got more. From details behind fistfights with Big Bro and next in line to the throne, William, who told him it'd be a good idea to rock a Nazi uniform to a costume party, the normalizing of 25 Taliban kills on the Afghan front lines, losing his virginity to an older woman on a random night in a field behind a busy pub. Sounds a lot like, uh, you know, I'd imagine it would be like, like life would be like growing up rich, British and white, but I digress. It was Harry's frankness about past illicit drug use in the memoir that might get him in the most trouble here with multiple in immigration experts agreeing it could very well lead to a nearly exit, a near an early exit, excuse me, uh, back to the UK, putting his visa at risk. The 38 year old confessed to doing coke, smoking weed and taking magic mushrooms on multiple occasions, or I'd call it back in my 20s, just another weekend kicking it with my white friends. But as it's been outlined in several times this weekend, typical applicants would be denied a visa over such a detailed history with illegal substances. Though U.S. authorities notably grant entry on a case-by-case -case basis, the question here is, if Harry, who moved to California in 2020, detailed his past drug use on his visa application or not, if it's found he lied about his past during the immigration interview process, his visa could very well be revoked, leaving Prince Harry permanently barred from re-entry to the U.S. In the book, he says he first took co uh, cocaine at 17 years old on a shooting weekend and did a few more lines on other occasions. He shroomed at a Hollywood party and smoked weed after his first date with Megan. And per the article, it's unclear what type of U.S. visa Harry holds, but analysts speculate it's either a spousal sponsored by his American wife or an O-1 given to people with extraordinary abilities. The latter is usually reserved for celebrities and pro athletes and renewals required every three years. For Harry, that would be this February or next month. I first thought that this was just going to be another throwaway British tabloid headline throwing darts at my man for talking shit about the monarchy, but I had time for it this weekend, and I did a little research. According to Shavin Immigration Law Office, a top UK-based UK immigration and visa practice, they say when a foreign national seeks admission to the U.S., 
but has been using controlled substances, there are two grounds for inadmissibility that could be triggered directly, criminal and health. The, the applicant must be careful to be candid with immigration or consular officials and or border officials to avoid misrepresentation ground of ad, inadmissibility. Per the U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Act of uh, INA Section 212A2A12, persons who have a conviction for or who commit admit to having committed uh, acts that constitute the essential elements of a violation of any law or regulation of a state, the U.S. or a foreign country related uh, to a controlled substance are inadmissible. A U.K. caution is considered to be an admission under the second part of this rule, and the petty offense exception does not waive petty drug offenses. An immigrant visa waiver is available only for a conviction or admission to possession of a single Offense of simple possession of less than 30 grams of marijuana under INA Section 212H. Back in Chavin's Immigration Law Policy section, they warn if one has a long discussion at the U.S. border or at the U.S. Embassy in London, border or consular officials may well consider someone who has admitted to use of drugs to have admitted the elements of a crime that would constitute a violation of law of the United States relating to controlled substances uh, resulting in permanent ineligibility. And while the U.S. Embassy is not supposed to come to findings like this for mere usage without conviction or caution, they have, however, been doing this with thousands of noted instances occurring over the last 10 years alone. It is possible to protest such a finding and have it reversed by making such a request with the visa office in D.C., but results take a long time and are far from guaranteed to be positive, end quote. Personally, I don't give a fuck about the royals, the crown, or any of them inbred bloodline colonizers who mainstream hundreds of years of chattel uh, slavery and oppression directly responsible for much of the racial tension still running rampant globally. I have not closely followed any of the, the stories, the TV shows, or movies glorifying the lives of these people and don't plan on doing so anytime soon. But I did think that it, it would be interesting should the former successor uh, to the most visible monarchy left in the game be deported in quite possibly the most prolific case of self-snitching for clout to date. Indeed. So I'd like to hear what everyone else thinks uh, should be, um, everyone else thinks should be done if it turns out that Prince Harry did lie on his visa application and is found to be a perjurer in this case, will he be deported? Should he be deported? Remember, 21 Savage got hammed up for a lot less. Just saying. I'm Regal Lamid, Dobas Dad on the street for High Nine News, and um, your move, Ice. I don't know what, what. What did 21 Savage get deported for? What was the reason? He just got he just got locked up in ice for like a month. He was in a cage for a month, and uh, Jay Z came to his rescue. Now, I, I I I know that, but like like what was the reason? Where they just they were like, oh, you're 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 his, illegal, his and we're, we're picking you up. Okay, yeah, his visa right. was expired. It was it wasn't because he committed a crime or did something or went pow 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 or anything. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's not from Atlanta, right? uh, He's from Great Britain originally. Yeah, but he's uh, He's an Atlanta rapper. Yeah, um, I mean, I I don't think Prince Harry is going to get deported. I seriously let's let's see the difference between being white and rich and and a person of color and dealing with the uh, U.S. immigration system. It's great. It'll just be one, ru- one more. ruffled enough feathers. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with him being white. It's just part of the, part of the fact that he's oh. part of the monarchy. I don't think that he's going to get deported. 100%.
I don't think I don't I don't think he will be, but he's ruffled enough feathers across the pond and um, they could probably make some uh, kind of diplomatic. Then then, then they're going to have to take him back to the UK and they don't want him living in the UK with Megan. They can punish him just because he doesn't want to be there. They're going to like what? uh, uh, All they do is get harassed. What what, what was it called when they were sent to go live somewhere? They live in Canada. I don't understand. They live in Canada. What's the issue here? They live in Calabasas. No, they have a place in uh, British Columbia. Up in they probably Colorado. have a place in. They may have country. a place there, but they well, live. They live in in L.A. Right. Does I'd like he to get see the any, whole royal family tried. I'm no immigration lawyer. However, um, I'm going to pretend to play one. Doesn't he get a status being married to an American? I mean, I don't. Well, that, well that, that's the thing. If, if he has a if he has an O one or if he has a spousal, if he has a spousal, he will be okay. If he has an O one then he can get revoked and kicked the fuck out of the country. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because uh, Nick, Nick Bradley, he was like, uh, after his marriage, he's required to live in the States for three years before obtaining citizenship. Bum, bum, bum. So, yeah, has it, been, has it been three years? They're coming after this motherfucker, man, for talking shit. Years. He's been talking shit about his family. They're coming after his ass. Could this, could this possibly be something that the UK is pressing the U.S.? officials on i say yes you think so yes no who cares it's harry and megan she was on suits let's king King, King, hold on king george king george does not does not mess with harry okay doesn't mess with harry doesn't mess with he's like six in line now who cares the hell with him george cares that's the point the king in jail set him up next to andrew who cares? Put back to Andrew. Come on now. Like, no, I don't live in their hunting retreat. Part, um, if, if people who do remember when he got in trouble for wearing that Nazi uniform, right? Yeah, he, was wearing that, he was wearing the Nazi uniform at a, at a costume party or some shit. He said that his brother and Kate Middleton are the ones that egged him on to do this shit. And they were like laughing all at him. They put him out there and, and, and because he is the redheaded stepchild. <laughs> 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 and put him out there let him take the heat so yeah he he mad they mad and um they don't get no security detail from uh that's paid for by the king anymore so i could see this being a bunch of uh propaganda being pushed out by the uk government because they're all in cahoots with the uh with the paparazzi out there period yeah you yeah. know i i agree with michelle michelle in the in the clubhouse chat she's like what if the uk bars megan <laughs> I'm thinking, is she, is she has, uh, does she have dual citizenship? No, I don't. I don't think so because I think they would have probably have revoked his citizenship. She'd have to apply yeah. for it. Well, did, did, she, did, did she denounce her citizen, her U.S. citizenship when she went over? No, there. No, 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 no. She made Harry denounce the throne. She she manipulated him. Run run manip game on him. That's what you think. That's what you think. That's what happened. Can we just call this one the further adventures of one of the most uh, successful sociopathic murderous families on the planet and move on? Inbreds. Next. I like this song. Here we go. They're just like us. Yes. Oh, man. Up next is the mink coat wearing, private jet hopping, Green Street wheeling and dealing that has been spotted politicking with world leaders in London. Mar-a-Lago and Detroit when not holding down presidential duties of his own when it comes to cannabis tourism out in West Hollywood. You know who it is. Coming to the stage, smoking on the best weed in the world. It's the longest continuously operating retailer in the world. Jason 
back. Oh, yeah. Good morning, Rico. Good morning. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend, feeling rested and relaxed because it's Monday. We got a big week. It's the real first week of the new year. It's time to get it and secure the bag. But I'll tell you what, who's really securing the bag is in detail in my story because Massachusetts unveils a board that will guide funding for marijuana equity applicants. Massachusetts officials on Thursday announced the members of a new board that will play a critical role in how the state will disperse money from a trust fund created to help cannabis entrepreneurs from over-policed communities get their businesses off the ground. The Cannabis Social Equity Advisory Board, which is charged with guiding the Executive Office of Economic Development and overseeing the trust fund, is made up of five marijuana industry experts appointed by the governor, attorney general, and state treasurer. Former Governor Charlie Baker appointed Keisha Bryce as the board's chair, who by law must have cannabis industry experience. Bryce was the first vi vice president of compliance at multi-state marijuana company Curaleaf through the company. She said she no longer works there. The other of the four members of the board are marijuana delivery company owner Chris Furvey, appointed by the state treasurer Deborah Goldberg, cannabis entrepreneur and finance expert Aaron Gaines, nominated by Governor Maura Healy in her role as the outgoing attorney general, and local marijuana executives Mika Brown and Phil Smith, appointed together by Baker, Goldberg, and Haley. The roles are all unpaid, though Members must be reimbursed for expenses. I wonder what kind of expenses they're going to occur. Hmm. State lawmakers created the advisory board and found and, and, and the fund paid for by, get this, 15% of adult use cannabis taxes, plus donations from larger marijuana companies as part of a sweeping cannabis industry reform bill. Baker signed into law last August. The legislation is intended to increase the number of state marijuana licenses awarded to applicants from disenfranchised communities who have struggled to raise the capital necessary to launch new companies. In a quote, so many people of color have been imprisoned over marijuana. We're finally saying as a society that enough is enough, said Gaines, a Wall Street veteran who previously worked in risk management for large financial institutions. He also says, I hope we can work together to come up with something thoughtful that's correctly designed to help people who are trying really hard to get in this industry. Lawmakers left several key details of the fund up to economic development officials, including how they will vet potential recipients and whether the money will be issued as grants or loans. With nearly all oversight on the marijuana industry concentrated at the Independent Cannabis Control Commission, experts said the advisory board will play an important role in providing cannabis-specific expertise to leaders in Haley's administration. Gaines, Haley's appointee, said the board must strike a difficult balance, uh, screen, com screen companies thoroughly, and, and to ensure they have viable business plans and won't waste taxpayer dollars without turning the process into another bureaucratic hurdle. He said the, he envisions uh, sizable grants, perhaps $1 million each, paid out gradually as firms hit milestones set by the officials, arguing that smaller uh, microloans of 250000 or less would do little to help entrepreneurs succeed in an increasingly 
crowded and competitive market. I'm definitely mindful that this is a public fund and that the other states are looking to us as a model, he said. We have to be very prudent in how we're dispersing it. Despite the potential challenges, Gaines is hopeful the fund will make a difference, including by providing an alternative to often predatory lending deals private investors and larger marijuana companies offer to small operators. It's long overdue, he says. Well, I'll tell you what, I got so many questions, but I really want to see what my fellow correspondents have to say about this. And do you guys really think that the, the compliance director from Cureleaf is probably the best person for this type of job, seeing as how um, there's so much uh, funny money involved with Cureleaf? And I'll digress. And this is Jason Beck reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. What do y'all have to say? Follow the money. Oh, follow the money. Follow the money. It goes right back to Russia, huh? Is Russia paying for this fund? No, <laughs> Gretchen said, yeah. <laughs> good, good. Oh. Gretchen, what do you think about this? Yeah. What, what do you think, Gretchen? You're on mute. I can't comment on what my fellow comrades are doing. <laughs> oh my goodness oh, Russian man. agent transformation is complete yeah I mean I mean so I think too that they they, they threw some uh, shots fired over at uh, New York's program and uh, and uh, New Jersey's program by saying that $250,000 isn't enough to help these businesses and they need to be at a million dollars if they want to do something with right what do you think about that, Rico? <laughs> Although it sounds a lot like pay to play for me, uh, <laughs> to me, um, yeah. I, I don't know, man. Um, it just it, it don't sound right. <laughs> just keep. I, I like what Kimo's saying. Follow the Poroski. Follow the Poroski. <laughs> we, we have Michelle from the Clubhouse audience. Michelle, do you have a brief comment on this story? I do. As someone who is a former lobbyist in Boston and the state of Massachusetts, I will tell you that you have to also look at some of those other people that are on that list. There right. is a history with some of those people, uh, namely, I'm not going to say who it is, but there are there was one or two that were part of this, the Cannabis Dispensary Association, which were directly uh, responsible for that whole uh, Cambridge issue about trying to get in two years, uh, an equity period for Cambridge, and they were the ones fighting it. So I find very interesting that one of those people who was part of leadership of that CDA is now on this uh, social equity board. Very interesting. Very, very interesting piece of knowledge right there, Michelle. Thank you so much for Thank coming you, up Michelle. and sharing that with us. That is interesting. It's, um, a, it's, 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 it's a common theme, you know, that none of these social equity programs are coming, you know, are, are becoming what they're supposed to be in the beginning. And also like, like we say every single damn show, nobody can agree on what it actually means. So you're just going to put people in that, that, that are rank and file pretty much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want to see who ultimately they decide are going to be the recipients and then, and then do follow the money trail to see, to see what, what these individuals did for these board members in regards to, to be able to obtain this money. Well, you know what happened with the, with the with the last lottery here in L.A. You know what happened, Rico? <laughs> <laughs> was it a, a, a thirteen? Was it a hundred at large uh, licenses? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it wasn't. 
It wasn't in New York saying they had a hundred million dollar fund, and then all of a sudden the money's not there. It was not, but I mean, what 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 are the odds that a hundred people get licenses in Los Angeles of a of thirteen hundred that entered the last uh, lottery, and um, more than three people were selected twice? More than three people were selected twice. <laughs> oh boy, that sounds shady. Sounds like a payoff to me. I think I'm going to run for county Jeez. county supervisor or something. You guys, I want to get paid. Where there are trees, there is shade. Did they say at all how much they were trying to put in this fund? No. Um, hold on a second. Let me check. Let me check my notes, Gretchen. I mean, either way, it's probably not going to be enough money. Um, and well, if it's a, a large number, they're not going to be able to raise it. Um, well, for, well, hold on, hold on. Part, so, so they they said that this money is is being paid for by a fifteen percent tax on adult use cannabis. Plus mm-hmm. donations from larger marijuana companies, and I wonder how much Curaleaf donated to this fund. How many M's they put behind this fund? How many people are they helping out with this million-dollar grant program? Is it a million dollars? Is that what it is? Is that the well? Action? That's what they're talking about giving out to each applicant a million dollars, and they want to give it out in tranches as they hit certain milestones. Did they define what those milestones they, they, are? They basically no, they did not define what those milestones are, but they did say, and and Gretchen, I think this was a fight that they were they were picking with uh with, with New Jersey where they said two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is not enough money to give to a social equity applicant. They need to be given a million dollars to a social equity applicant to get these business off the ground, but they would give it in two hundred and fifty thousand dollar tranches once they uh once they hit certain milestones. Yeah, or to, or to buy them more time to actually raise the money. Or collect the money from taxes, or for uh, federal legalization to drop, and for uh, or or for interstate ac- interstate uh, um, commerce to drop, and for social equity to be deemed in unconstitutional. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we all know that's not happening. Isn't it a, a bad business model to forecast certain um, funds for tax dollars that have yet to be collected? You yes. should ask New York that. Yeah, haven't we talked about this a couple times? Yeah, and we York, definitely have. And New York is supposed to be the uh, they're supposed to be the model for supposed to be the model, comes, right? Yeah. yeah when, when it comes it's supposed to, to be like the token acumen and like all that stuff, like mm-hmm. I would, you know, just saying, you know, no, exactly, no, bro. no hatred, just just all love, all love. I'm with you. I'm with you, Rico. This shit is crazy. But uh, that was an interesting story. We're gonna definitely keep keep following this story um, and and new developments and follow this corruption and see if it stinks as bad mm-hmm. as my weed mm-hmm. but coming up next sure. she's a political strategist by day and a baker by night a true female multitasker who can not only bake up a storm but also knows how to make the sausage on capitol hill she's the founder of panoptic strategies and our very own washington insider taking off the apron is none other than the gretchen gailey Good afternoon. I, I'm sorry I did not have time. I was running around. My internet was dying to make my sign. But for those who need the visual aid, it's been nine days since Jason Beck has refused to pay his debts. Uh, I have never refused to pay. I don't see 100 bucks in my mailbox. Anyway, my headline, you're such a jag off. My headline is coming from Leo Weekly. I've never heard of this, but I figured what the hey. Uh, and it's a follow-up on a story that we've been covering uh, a great deal about what's going on in Kentucky. 
Uh, and the headline is, like executive order, palm cards guiding law enforcement on Kentucky medical marijuana vague. Days after Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir's executive order granting preemptive pardons for medical marijuana obtained, out of state went into place on January 1st, confusion about how the order functionally operates continues, raising fears that Kentuckians legitimately seeking medical marijuana could still face criminal consequences. One element potentially contributing to the confusion are the palm cards Bashir said that would be distributed to law enforcement officers across the state to provide guidance on the executive order and what to do if they encountered someone with medical marijuana in their possession. Uh, through an open records request, Leah Weekly obtained copies of the palm cards earlier this week. Uh, Adam, if you can put up the graphic, that would be great. Uh, it is a, a cute little green card, and it has the four stipulations that it must be lawfully purchased in another state within the United States, proof of purchase uh, with name, location, and date, the amount of cannabis, which has to be less than eight ounces, and a document from a physician, uh, a Kentucky physician, uh, that the person has been diagnosed with, with one of the 21 medical conditions. Uh and here, coming from C.J. Carter, who's the state director uh, for Minorities for Medical Marijuana, he says, to me, everything's going to fall in the hands of the police officer, what they feel like doing that day. It's solely up to them, being that there aren't too many guidelines that they're aware of that they have to follow. Bashir's November 15th executive order proactively issues pardons for marijuana possession, so long as the person has one of 25 qualifying conditions, legally purchased the marijuana in another state, has a written certification from a doctor diagnosing the medical condition and has a receipt of purchase for the marijuana and has less than eight ounces in their possession. Under the executive order, the pardons were extended to caregivers as well. Uh, Bashir said the executive order isn't going to make it convenient for anyone on the medical marijuana front. What it will ensure is that they are not criminals. For Kentuckians seeking medical marijuana out of state who are stopped by law enforcement officers, the palm cards are meant to be a bulwark between them and criminal charges. The palm card acts as a checklist for officers listing things the person they stopped will need to be in compliance with the executive order, including the document from a physician. Now, in addition to the unclear language about documents, the palm card does not mention what happens if a caregiver procures marijuana for a patient by themselves and is stopped despite the text of the executive order extending pardon protection to caregivers. Instead, after the words information for caregivers, the card includes the website of the governor's medical cannabis advisory committee, which includes links to press conferences and inf information about the committee and the executive order, uh, which contains information for the caregivers. Bashir has previously said palm cards would be handed out to law enforcement across the state by January 1. The governor's office did not respond to questions sent on Tuesday about the executive order from Leah Weekly, including a question about whether all law enforcement in Kentucky had received the palm cards yet. Without any standardization documentation, Carter worries that people will fabricate documents to smuggle marijuana into Kentucky, giving medical marijuana a black eye in the state. Kungu Nujgona, a policy strategist with the ACLU of Kentucky, worries that additional guidance or standardization law enforcement officers might view legitimate documents diagnosing qualifying illnesses as fake. The executive order provides little more clarity on what kind of documents patients need. It says that the signed and dated certification, the doctor must list their name, address, telephone number, and license number, along with their diagnosis of the patient, but it does not specify a format of the document to be in. 
The executive order also does not mandate that the physician prescribe or otherwise recommend marijuana. Unlike states that have legalized only medical marijuana, there is no state-issued card or other form of patient registration for Kentuckians seeking cannabis. Carter said, it's just a piece of paper. It can be forged. It can be typed up on its own. It's not an official document. It doesn't come directly from the state. The lack of clarity over documents is accompanied by a broader misunderstanding about what the executive order actually does, with some people even believing it has legalized the drug. There's a lot of confusion. We hope that it gets a few things straightened out through trial and error, and hopefully it doesn't ruin lives in the process. Uh, and that's according to Matthew Bratcher from Normal for Kentucky. People might have the wrong information or misunderstand what the executive order is really about. He added, it's still illegal. You go to another state and you purchase cannabis at your own risk. You travel across state lines at your own risk. You have it on your person at your own risk. The law enforcement may have these palm cards, but they can still arrest you and deal with all the document stuff in courts. Currently, Illinois is the only neighboring Kentucky state where Kentuckians can procure cannabis in line with the executive order. Uh, I am hopeful. I know Jason thinks I am naive and a silly girl, and I must be naive thinking he's going to pay his debts. Uh, but he does not believe that this is going to work or that these palm cards will hold any hope for folks in Kentucky. I do agree that the documentation is quite vague. Um, however, I don't know. I think vague might be helpful when it comes to a court of law. Uh, this is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. I'd love to know what Chris Eggers thinks of this. Uh, you know what palm, palms are good at holding, Gretchen? $100 bills in Jason Beck's pocket, the cheapskate, son bitch. Right. Yeah, that's right here, Anyways, Gretchen. Chris, Come and get do you it. have something substantive <laughs> to say? I, I do with respect to this article. Great article, Gretchen. Thank you for sharing. Uh, I'll tell you right now a couple things. One, if I'm if I'm a cop there, I am not finding anyone in possession of medical marijuana. Hands down. Not, not going to happen. And and two, if I did, I have a bunch of issues with this palm card. Uh, one, it, it's vague. Right. Uh -huh. And then two, I'm. I think HIPAA probably has something to say about this. I am not, as a law enforcement officer, going to go and dive into somebody's medical history to then determine if they are in violation of, of this particular law or not. Again, I go back to my first statement. I'm not finding anybody in possession of medical marijuana. Because it's um, all marijuana, huh, Chris? Exactly. Blinders well, on. Because here's the thing, right? If, if put yourself, put my, if I'm putting myself in the seat, uh, you know, uh, of somebody and I get approached and they're like, Hey, let me see your doctor's note. Be like, dude, you're not, no, <laughs> right? mean, just so much ambiguity and so much room for error here. Now I will say this, anytime we can give law enforcement additional training so that they don't mess things up. I'm not against that. Uh, but here, I just think that it, it it can potentially muddy the waters. And, you know, what you don't want is a bunch of law enforcement officers with this palm card now, assuming that they have all this knowledge and, and authority to go do whatever it is that they, you know, enforcement action they want to do. So um, I don't know. I think this I think this is going to muddy the waters a little bit. Um, and Chris, I, also, Chris, I have a. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't. I, didn't, I thought you were finishing. I was just gonna say, I think too civilly, right? For officers who don't want to get roped up into a potential lawsuit uh, involving HIPAA violations and things like that, you know, I mean, you know, we we are in a litigious society, and um, we, we don't want to see law enforcement overstep their boundaries. And if they do, you know, there's recourse to that. Um, again, I fall back to I'm I'm I recommend no one find anyone in possession of medical marijuana there. I, I, I have a question, a serious law enforcement question for you, Chris. 
if you're a, a state trooper in Kentucky, don't you think that the governor is enabling looping, seeing as how all the neighboring states have a one ounce cap on sales? So therefore, if you were traveling into Kentucky with eight ounces of flour, then that would mean that you are guilty of looping because you would have had to stop at eight different stores to procure those eight different ounces. In theory, yeah. Yeah, you would, I guess, right? I saw, I saw that I mean, coming. I don't think it's in theory. I think that's in reality. Does Illinois, Illinois doesn't have a one ounce rule? Yeah, they do. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, they do. Should we that should be a bet. That should be a bet. Why? So we won't pay it? So I can sit here with, uh, I'm running out of fingers here. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. You'll have some paper and a pen tomorrow, Gretchen. Uh, we I do have Lakeisha. We do have Lakeisha from the Clubhouse audience to comment on this. What do you have to say about this, Lakeisha? Good morning, everyone at Hyatt Nine News. Yeah. Thank you, Jason Beck. Um, happy belated 100th episode. Oh, thank um, you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I am the actual, the, the Project Clean Slate um, National Director for Minorities for Medical Marijuana, and I have all kinds of problems with this. First of all, it reads like a case from law school where you're looking at all the, the issues that went wrong, because whenever a law is vague or overly broad, it's not written clear, concise, that leaves a lot of subject to interpretation kind of by our law enforcement mm -hmm. folks. Yep. And that we don't want there to be an error. On Whoa, where'd you go? We lost her. She like totally dropped off of the clubhouse. I wanted baby. to hear the rest of that comment. That was a great oh, comment. Oh man, I'm hoping that she's going to come back up and come back into yeah. the room. Where did you go, Lakeisha? Oh my goodness. She was about Have to drop. She has problems with it. I know I have problems with it. I know law enforcement definitely is going to have problems with it. The way I look yep. at it, and I'm not sure exactly where Lakeisha was going, uh, but ambiguity. Ambu oh, there she is. Lakeisha's back. Giggity, giggity, giggity. Well, I have one quick thing to say. I encountered when we were at the 40 Tons event, Can I Get a Second Chance um, uh, job fair mm -hmm. in August of last yeah, August of last year. Shout out to my boy, 40 Times. He's awesome. Yeah. But so many of the people that came through our clinic, our expungement services clinic, told us, hey, I had my card on me. I showed my card to the officer. I still got issued this citation. I still have this on my record, and I need to get this off. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's still those issues where no matter what, it could be him. They will still write you a ticket. They will still take you to jail. And we have to get that training down, just like we're still talking about training law enforcement on you know people with mental health issues to avoid shootings we need more training regarding cannabis mm -hmm. i totally totally agree with oh, you yeah. lakeisha and i think this is just going to cause major major problems and there's definitely going to be someone pretty soon that gets caught up driving into kentucky and it's probably going to be a story that we're going to cover because because gretchen thinks that it's okay gretchen um no, yes, I do. I think medical <laughs> patients should be able to get access any way possible. I, 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 now, I agree with that in principle. Hallelujah. I agree with that in principle, Gretchen. And, but sure. we're talking about reality right now. I, and in reality, what I was going to say um, before Lakeisha came back, um, I do think the ambiguity, while it may not be exactly helpful at a roadside stop, I think it would be helpful in a court of law. Um, I think it, a good attorney. You think, I think a judge is going to side with this? I think if you paid attention to what the article said and the folks from normal said that I think when it comes down to it and you're going to have to argue this in a courtroom, I think this is going to fall uh, on the side 
of uh, the defendant there. I think it's definitely going to have to get argued out in the courtroom because that's the only way anyone is going to say, and I'm willing to bet that one of the prosecuting attorneys is going to say, oh, nope, under federal law, you're not allowed to travel with cannabis across the state line, and therefore that's going to be what the judge rules on, and right, that'll be the, the ultimate thing. Right, but the is not interstate commerce. It's not what it the is. cops are picking them up for. No, it's not. They're picking them up for possession of cannabis, Jason. It's two different crimes. No, 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 they're, no, 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 Gretchen, no, 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 what, what, no, slow down, slow down, what they, no, 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 what they are going to get arrested for is going to be arrested for transporting marijuana across a state line, which is a federal charge, that's what they're going to get arrested for. All right, easy, Jason, back, okay, if the governor was going after these people for transport, then they would offer cops a bunch of maps, that's not what this is about, this is about possession of cannabis, Possession of eight ounces, Gretchen, again, up to again, eight again, ounces. Again, Lakeisha has something else Lakeisha, to say. Lakeisha, yeah, Lakeisha, what do you got to say about this? Okay, so I, I get what Gretchen is saying. Vagueness might help, but at the end of the day, federal legal is fairly legal. And last thing, I've been in health advocacy all of my life. I've worked in the medical field. As far as HIPAA laws, disclosing what your illness or ailment is, this is something that's between you and your doctor. It's personal. They need a card. They need formatting. They need to have some type of structure so that they can be no vagueness, no ambiguity, that everyone is on the same page. And that's the only thing that's, you know what, uh, who's in Kentucky? Let's go ahead and uh, get with the legislature and start amending these laws ASAP. Mm -hmm. Marijuana Mitch. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you, Lakeisha. I just think this is going to, is, is it's going to be really bad for someone. And I just hope that they have the money to pay for their legal defense. Me too. Cause otherwise they're going to get screwed like a pooch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have uh, we have, we have one other speaker coming up from the clubhouse audience. Nick, what do you have to say about this? Nick, Nick, are you with us? Nick. Nick. Oh, Nicholas. I am sorry. I go. wasn't, I was muted. Hey, I just have a question for Chris. Since Jason keeps running back to this false statement that state police can arrest someone for crossing uh, a state border on federal trafficking charges. So as a as a state police officer, Chris, you are sworn to uphold the laws of the state and the Constitution and the federal you government. Not, you do not have the authority to arrest someone on federal crimes. Is that correct? I never arrested anybody on a on typically it's state it's state state laws that you're arresting on. But I think what Jason might be alluding to, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, I want to speak for you, is that just because it's not to be done doesn't mean that things don't happen. Right. And correct. And at the people. and at the same time, too, they, they the, 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 the cop, the cops can just arrest you on a state charge and then the district attorney can turn that over to the feds and the feds can pick that case up. It's happened numerous times. This is exactly what happened. Hold on. This is this is exactly what happened in California when they created medical cannabis and everyone was still getting arrested for having weed because it was not legal to transport. OK, so, all these people so Jason, are going to be you, guilty of transporting weed across the state line and are going to get hemmed up. The only instances where a district attorney can take that case on is when a state law and a federal law are both broken. So then the state prosecutor can prosecute for the crime broken in the state. Well, it's not there, legal there by a law to possess cannabis in Kentucky. So therefore, your, your argument is out the window, Nick. You've argued this many times in states that it is legal. 
I just want. I'm to talking. We're talking about Kentucky, Nick. We're talking state about po- Kentucky. State police are not able to arrest on federal charges. I mean, I, I know people that have been arrested on state charges and had their cases turned over to the feds. It's happened to numerous people uh, in, in cannabis through, through, throughout our years, Nick. But again, I mean, Ste- Stephanie Landa, Stephanie Landa was arrested by by San Francisco narcotics officers and her case was turned over to the feds and she did four years in federal time. Mm-hmm. But again, that's because she I was mean, that, it was it was California. She law was, no, well. she was not breaking California law. That is not true. She had she had permission from the district attorney to be able to cultivate. That is not breaking California law at that time. Permission from the district attorney is not a the law. district attorney is the chief law enforcement officer of any uh, any individual uh uh, region so yes yes that is mm-hmm. but we got to pay a quick bill this is fascinating thank you guys so much for entertaining this let's pay a quick bill so we can get right back thank you nick get him Jay. I don't know what that was, but that was cool. Oh, it's Wizard Tree Seed Drop. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. The thoughts, opinions. Yeah. the thoughts, opinions, and shade thrown on High 9 News are those of individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers. This dismay do not constitute legal or accounting advice. And our, our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country, area, territory, or of any authorities. The views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary responsibility or relationship. Our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of any speaker on stage. And if you are an easily offended person, just stop. Get help. (laughs) Run it at them. you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sh to see why our terps don't lie. Now this immortal cannabis wizard with Transylvanian roots movement has been tracked for centuries by royal scribes throughout history, continuing the work of the original Mary Pranksters in the Brotherhood of Eternal Love. More recently, he's dedicated the last 33 years to cannabis sales, genetics, and cultivation, holds a Hogwarts PhD in tripping balls, and co-hosts the What's Good podcast, where he regularly drops timeless knowledge and bombs of truth to the globally clueless masses. Up next, y'all know who it is. It is the Count. Thank you so much, Brother Rico. Happy Monday, everybody. St. Germain here, heavily caffeinated, slightly inebriated. Uh, and my, my, uh, my story is thus. Analysis. Adult use cannabis leads to economic improvements and more jobs. Opponents of recreational cannabis legalization have argued that increased cannabis use could diminish motivation, impede cognitive function, and harm health, ultimately affecting the economic well-being of adults. However, an analysis published by the National Bureau of Economic Research finds the opposite is true. 
Legalization of adult use cannabis is actually associated with economic improvements and increased job opportunities. Researchers at San Diego State University and Bentley University performed a study, which they said is the first to explore the impacts of recreational cannabis on employment, wages, and labor market outcomes of working age individuals. They used data from the 2020 uh, current, uh, 2002, pardon me, to 2020 current population survey merged outgrowing rotation groups. Not sure what that is, along with various difference and difference approaches uh, from TWFE and Callaway and Santa Ana estimators. So this was a study where they aggregated a bunch of information from uh, longitudinal studies, a meta a meta analysis. Ultimately, the researchers said they found little evidence that recreational marijuana laws adversely affect labor market outcomes among most working age individuals. Rather, they found evidence of modest increases in employment and wages, especially among those over the age of 30, uh, younger racial ethnic minorities and those working within the agricultural sector. These results are consistent with the opening of new licit, not illicit, but licit legal accepted industry for marijuana and especially for older individuals, a substitution away from harder substances such as opioids, researchers said. In addition addition to the bustling job opportunities, researchers said that legal cannabis access keeps more people away, again, from other substances like opioids, heavy alcohol use, and those can definitely lead to negative effects on productivity. They also note that if cannabis is effective in, in improving physical or psychological health symptoms, these improvements could also work to generate positive labor market spillovers. With legal cannabis, there is also reduced criminalization surrounding possession, once again allowing for better labor market outcomes, especially among people of color who have disproportionately suffered diminished labor market opportunities due to having criminal records based on small amounts of possession of substances. Previous studies have confirmed an association between recreational cannabis laws and increased employment levels among older adults. Data compiled last year by Leafly and Whitley Economics also shows the cannabis industry added more than 100,000 new jobs in 2021 and employed more than 428,000 full-time workers at the time of its release. Uh, that's my story. This is St. Germain from, uh, for Hyatt 9 News, and I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say. And I have a bit as well. Shout out to economic improvement. Yeah. If we were to stop getting overtaxed, we could probably improve even more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The one thing I wanted to add is that it's it's so cool to me to see from the Netherlands and Portugal on how anytime uh, communities contact cannabis or psychedelics, all of these these stigmatic messages put forth by these fascistic governments that have been totally working to control and suppress us are proven to be untrue. Uh, Psychedelic usage and cannabis usage actually leads to more wholesome, more socially positive behaviors. And we can see that using these peer reviewed meta analyses. Mm -hmm. We just call them fish stick governments now. Fascistic. Fascistic, huh? Yes, sir. Do you you spell that like fish stick? I'll spell it in the chat. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But I do do hear that uh, Kanye likes fish sticks. Is that what what we hear? Oh, (laughs) jeez. Oh, my God. I mean, that was one of the things that really attracted a lot of people in NorCal cannabis. And we see that, you know, from the 90s on, uh, that the, 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 Equity in cannabis payments for people was a lot more fair than almost any other uh, uh, industry ever. You know, the, the people at the top still made a lot of money, but trimmers making $200, $250 a pound plus uh, meals and, and free board. Uh, people who, because of the trust relationships, people who would be farm laborers getting paid $50,000, $100,000 a year. And what you saw was a huge spike in, in art of every type, in music, uh, festival right. cultures, and all of these huge ads. Um, throughout California that were really pushed forward by by the cannabis industry and by more equitable payments towards artists and those people who might not be corporate employable but have a lot actually to give to our society when they're empowered. 
Right. And we, we should be like amplifying like more and more of this because, you know, our conservative friends out there, they understand the money and they, you know what, they, they follow the dollars. So you should be pushing this on your conservative lawmakers that are that continue to be prohibitionist. You know, like they speak the money, they speak the language of money. Keep on pushing this, man. Economic empowerment, it creates jobs, 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 and it brings more money into all these municipalities. So. Mm-hmm. More need more dollars. Oh man, and more money, more jobs. jobs. Yeah, I'm all about it. You know, shout out to Catalyst. 300 union employees out there. 300, 300. Shout out Catalyst. Shout out. How do you, uh, Anna? Are we ever go- are we ever going to be able to um, uh, grace ourselves with your voice on here? I'd, I'd love to hear. You know uh, uh, how they've been able to work with 300 union workers. That's pretty incredible. I would love to hear that. I'd love to hear that story too. Yeah, how that's worked. But out. you know, maybe we'll just have to go to a cannabis block party one night and go and we'll Ooh, we'll yeah. just do an interview with them. Let's do live it live from Anna's little bar right there. When, when's the next one? It's coming up. It's coming up in July. I'm sure she'll put it in the chat whenever it is. Pop out. Pop out. Yeah. Like a broken yeah. condom. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, on that note, we're going to keep it moving. Thank you so much for that story, Matthew. We appreciate that very much. And the founder of CC Security Solutions, he's a NorCal dope dad that's traded in his issue gun and a badge for a blunt and a notepad, even though when I'm with him, we smoke joints. Former cop that's now a security consultant at CC Security Solutions here to increase your chances of survivability and viability is none other chris eggers jb mr president thank you for the intro happy monday everybody uh my article comes today out of uh ventura there's there's a lot going on down in ventura um this is interesting the headline reads appeals put ventura cannabis operators on hold as frustration sets it sounds like it's a mess appeal for cannabis businesses in Ventura will start next month, but frustration is starting to set in for applicants who applied for a permit in the summer of 2021. Last year, four businesses hoping to open up cannabis operations were selected by the city to receive a permit. So they've already received or already been approved to receive their permit. Five applicants that did not get permits are appealing the decision, though. Some finalists are now in limbo, waiting on the go-ahead to open up shops. So Depending on how the outcome of these hearings, finalists could be asked to go through the application process again, essentially starting over, according to Christopher De La Vega, assistant city attorney. Um, These hearings will take place in front of a hearing officer and likely won't uh, take longer than one day. So essentially, you could have to start all over. So that's muddy waters sort of door number one. Um, De La Vega continues to say in this article that I think it's going to be difficult to do anything other than speculate at this point until we know how the appeals go and what the results are. There are a lot of moving pieces, muddy waters, door number two, if you ask me. Some applicants have been baffled by the city's process. I would say so. Uh, Salzar Records co-owner Brandon Salzar, uh, who partnered with uh, Safeport Dispensary, to, uh, was set to open a potential business in uh, that existing uh, storefront, was not selected, and they have... Uh, been selected to go through the appeal process. The process is taking so long that Ventura is losing potential tax revenue. We just had this convo um, to cities that have approved cannabis dispensaries, uh, Ojai, Thousand Oaks, uh, Oxnard, to name a few. Okay. So at the end of this article, right, people are asked, okay, well, what about the folks that the four people that have been already selected to get 
their permits. Can we just move forward? And essentially the answer is don't move too fast. Um, so the city hired a consultant out of Brea, um, really long name. Um, they helped select the finalists back in July. They were paid $114,000 to do so. This was done under, this is Mar Muddy Waters door number three, done under uh, former uh, city manager who is now no longer with the city. And I tried to look at an article. There's a link here. It doesn't show any of the details, but it looks like there's a settlement reached uh, to move on from that city manager in the tune of about $150,000. So not only now are the four people selected, four businesses selected, three dispensaries and a distro uh, unsure if they can even move forward and just start to open business, which is one of the questions. Now we've got this appeal process that the city attorney basically has no answers for and saying that if you do make it through the appeal process, you may have to start that application process totally over again. And then uh, I know there's going to be a link to this article. There's going to be a, in this article a link to a previous article that talks about the city manager and his departure uh, from the city unrelated for personal reasons to this process. So it says, uh, but I just think it's, it sounds like a mess down there. So I don't know if we have anybody listening in that can add, uh, you know, any sort of context here, but it sounds like it's a mess. If you were granted a, a permit, it sounds like it's a mess. If you're going through the appeals process, it sounds like it's a mess for everybody. And really the city attorney is saying, Hey, uh, too early to know anything, lots of moving parts, all of it would be speculation anyway. So they don't know what they don't know either. Um, but it's a big mess. That's basically uh, my takeaway here. Happy Monday, everybody. Thanks for letting me contribute. Hoping somebody from the audience is down there in Ventura, Oxnard, somewhere in the area that maybe uh, can shed some context to this. And Chris, <clears throat> just to be clear, you're, you're referring to the city of Ventura, not Ventura County. Correct. City of Ventura. Okay. Just want yeah. to make sure people aren't going to start getting confused. Yeah, everybody out there not, not familiar with the area is um, north of Los Angeles is, and everywhere around the city of Ventura has uh, um, a legalized and decriminalized and, and yeah, they get Port Waimimi, Oxnard, Santa Barbara, Ojai, all that shit, man. So I hope they get their money too soon, man. Or if mm. not, the, tra the trap will thrive. Right. The, tra the trap's going to always thrive regardless, always. as long as we have this overtaxation and overregulation on yeah. cannabis. Yeah, we need to free open the market. But yep. you know, that, that, Johnny's exactly right. Ventura has been a problem for years. You know what I mean? They, they've always been kind of a prohibitionist-minded uh, city, and I, you know, and it's funny to see them kind of start to evolve because all the other municipalities have evolved around them. And so this is like them, like, I guess, like tipping their toe in the water. You know, what I mean, like, hey, yeah, we're going to have you guys come in, but then we're going to change our mind and we're going to make you go through some more hoops because we haven't really we haven't really got to that that point yet to where we're cool. But we want the perception to seem like we're cool. Barriers to entry are already extremely high, like we've, we've talked about, you know, pretty consistently. But now when you have, you know, all this all these muddy waters, as I'm saying it, you know, it, it just, it, it's, it's a bad look, I think for the city, right? Because they talked about some of the tax dollars and et cetera, that's being affected as well. Um, hopefully they didn't pre-plan and spent some of that money, you know, in anticipation of, but you know, it doesn't seem like a, a super welcoming environment to try to get into at the moment. Nobody wins. I mean, you know who wins? The cities win because these people are paying these these all of these fees to the city, lawyers, um, all of those people, and, and probably even their landlord, landlord, potential future landlords are paying them money to to hold property while they go through all these different administrative processes. Mm, follow the money. 
Follow the money. Yeah. You know, someone's getting paid. Someone's getting mm-hmm. paid. Enrico, that's going to be January 14th. January with 14th. With a block party on Catalyst. Yes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Man. The yes. Gretchen, you should come. Popping. Just fly out to Cali. Yes. We'll send the jet. You're going to yes. send the jet? <laughs> yeah, we'll send the jet for you. Yes. Gas, gas, gas up the jet in your uh, subsidized uh, Russian oligarch uh, 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 petrol. I'll get Boris to uh, just hook me up and send me out there. Yeah, Boris. Talent, Boris get a bigger plane than I do. Boris. <laughs> He's got a fleet. You know what I mean? Like, if my, if my engine goes down, I got to contact Rolls Royce and we're out for weeks. Hey, man. Hey. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Adam, let's, let's play this quick ad. We're going to come right back. We'll see you guys in a second. Right back. At True Classic OG, we live by one motto. Stay true. We stay true to our legacy cut of true OG that's always fresh, piney, gassy, and delicious. We represent the spirit and hustle and diversity of our great city of angels, and we stay true to the spirit of this plant, doing everything in-house to ensure that you get the highest quality and consistency with every batch. And that's what made us LA's favorite OG. True Classic OG. Stay true, Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you guys all so much. Gretchen, I don't know where you went, but look at that right there. Yeah. She got something going on with her internet, bro. She got something going on. I think we all but, uh, uh, Gretchen, Gretchen, we were still in this oh, uh, um, uh, Mercury Gatorade shit, bro. Yeah, and bro, and it's raining. It's supposed to rain all week here in L.A., Okay, Chris is in like Santa Barbara, and it's raining on him. Okay, it's this massive monsoon storm. The mudslides are supposed to be crazy because of all this rain. Well, that's what Matthew Saint Germain was looking for, looking out for before the show, because he's up in Sonoma, Santa Rosa. Yeah, he's he's got mudslides. Like the creek in my backyard is is close to overflowing, but it stopped raining, so it looks like it's gonna probably go down. Oh man! Well, Gretchen, we hope Salem feels better. Salem is puking. That's what she's dealing with. Dealing with the animals. We hope he feels better. I hope he didn't eat any of your illicit Freedom Market edibles, Gretchen. (laughs) (laughs) Freedom isn't free. Freedom isn't free. Keep keep those edibles locked up from your kids and your pets. Yeah, lock them up. Freedom isn't free, but it's a better deal than at the weed store. Oh. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound like that. Are you saying that, Matthew Saint Germain? <laughs> oh man, She's still alive, still alive. Oh, All right, is. great. Did hey! you get everything cleaned up? There yes, she is. yes. Hey, Salem, right now, like, did he puke on your lap? No, she was behind me. I didn't want y'all to watch her like puking on yeah, the floor. Uh, yeah, the, the, the full, the full right body, there. the full body thrust. The whole heave and the yeah. yeah. I mean, all you had to do was just hit mute, and we could have just watched. Some people just watched like her that. Just yeah. throw up on the floor. That'd yeah, be some people, so some people would have thought it was entertaining. Put some <laughs> Benny Hill music behind that shit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's probably some guy somewhere that paid like a million dollars just to see that. Oh my God! Let's, 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 let's take it out. So thank you all <laughs> out there for tuning in with us for another episode of High at Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our live audience members and online supporters tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding 
your respected opinions to the conversation. To our production team, thank you, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and the wonderful Zsa Simone holding things down for us in Clubhouse every damn day, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And to our haters, bless your hearts. You fuel the fire that burns deep within our souls and motivates us to go harder every damn day. I hope you never find peace and continue to spread hatred so we can continue spreading nothing but love all over y'all's faces consensually, of course. And finally, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the Hyatt 9 News team shows up to read these headlines daily. We shall forever be in debt to your greatness. Thanks, babe. It's Monday, January 9th, 2023. The show is over and you've been blessed with today's top industry headlines. We hope it was enough to put in your pipe and smoke it at least until tomorrow. Y'all know who it is. Rico Lamy, the dopest dad on the street, signing off. And remember, when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. Oh, yeah.